home. More Israeli hostages are set to come home this morning if a shaky pause in the Israel-Hamas war holds another day. We are committed to return all our hostages. What are we learning about the release of Americans? White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan joins me next. And pressing pause. President Biden touts the Israel-Hamas truce. I've consistently pressed for a pause. But with a day left before it runs out, what happens next? Senator Chris Murphy of the Foreign Relations Committee joins me exclusively. Plus, all in. As foreign policy dominates U.S. politics, one Republican candidate makes his case. we got serious problems, and we need a serious president to take them on. Is there a better way to counter Trump? 2024 Republican presidential candidate Chris Christie coming up. Hello, I'm Dana Bash in Washington, where the State of Our Union is watching families reunite and thinking about those still waiting. This is the third day of a four-day pause in fighting. Israeli leaders have a list of the people who are expected to come home today after weeks in Hamas captivity. 41 hostages, 26 of them Israeli, are already home now. And this morning, the Israeli Prime Minister's office said they believe 201 hostages still remain in Gaza. The question now, whether this fragile truce could hold longer than four days, allowing more aid into Gaza and more hostages to come home. For more on all of this, maybe to help answer one of those questions, that is Israeli ambassador to the United States, Michael Herzog. Thank you so much for being here. First, your reaction to what we're seeing here and to what President Biden just said, which is effectively that this deal uh, with returning hostages, pause in uh, the Israeli military action, is working. It is working. This is the third day that we see the release of hostages, and we welcome the release of each and every one of them, and we'd like to see more. Tomorrow is the fourth day, and uh, if Hamas is willing to uh, or able to uh, release additional hostages, then there'll be an extended pause. Okay. And what the president also said is that he hopes that this pause will continue as long as the uh, as the hostages are freed. So you think that it could be extended day by day, not just... It, it could be extended day by day. We The deal was uh, 50 hostages, uh, four days of pause. And for each and every, if they produce uh, 10 hostages, they get another day of pause. So that's the key. That's the deal. And we'll see it tomorrow if they are uh, willing to uh, release additional hostages. 39 Palestinian prisoners, we're told, were released today. Do you intend to, along with uh, the potential release of Israeli hostages or civilian hostages who are held in Gaza, to continue to release Palestinian uh, prisoners? The, the short answer is yes. Uh, let me just refer to that and remind everybody that the prisoners that we released are people who were convicted uh, for participating in terror attacks. Uh, let's don't forget that Yichristin War was released in such a deal by Israel in 2011. Look what we got. Yeah, well... A lot of them are, are accused, some, of are, some are convicted, but some have not yet been adjudicated. I think that's fair uh, to say. They went through a legal process in Israel. Uh, we didn't kidnap them. That is we true. We don't arrest people just for nothing. That's a very important distinction. The uh, American, Abigail, uh, is the fact that she turned four uh, in captivity, and uh, she, as I mentioned, her parents were murdered in front of her. It, it is... Incredible news that she is back. Uh, there are other Americans, dual citizens, who are in Gaza. Do you have any indication that any of the hostages who just came over across the border are also American? We know only about Abigail in this deal. Uh, we know about at least two additional American women uh, held in captivity by Hamas, uh, but we can't tell uh, whether or not they will be released in the coming days because Hamas uh, gives us a list every day for the next day. So we'll see. I'm hopeful that uh, they too will be released. So as far as you know, just to put a fine point on it, of the 17 hostages that just came across the border, only Abigail is an American. Yes. Okay. 
The family of one of the hostages already freed before today told CNN that uh, this hostage lost more than 13 pounds after enduring days with little food during her captivity. What is Israel's understanding of the condition of the others who have been released? We, we are taking all of them to hospitals where they undergo a medical and psychological tests. Um, they, uh, they were kept in deep tunnels in very bad conditions. Uh, so even though they got food and so on, we all understand what it means to be uh, in such a tunnel for, for dozens of days. Uh, I don't envy anybody. No. And do you have any idea yet, understanding their health and welfare is the number one priority, but do you have any idea yet whether they have any information that they even know about, that they were aware of, where they were being held? Uh, they are being uh, debriefed, but uh, I don't think this is something that we want to discuss in public. I understand. This initial exchange uh, has just been men and women held in Gaza. Do you know if there's any discussion underway to expand that to male hostages? This deal pertains to uh, women and children. That's the deal, and uh, to the extent that Hamas is willing to uh, discuss an additional deal pertaining to, uh, to men, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Right now, we're in this deal. But have you gotten any indication w about whether or not Hamas is willing? I mean, I understand that what you said, what, uh, what uh, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor for President Biden, said to me this morning was that this is in... Hamas's court, whether or not this it truce will be It isn't their court, and uh, we'll have to see whether or not they are willing to extend the deal. Do you have any indication? categories. Right now, I think it's too, uh, it's premature to discuss that. Premature, even though it's just a day away? Yeah. Okay. If Hamas does not agree to extend the truce, will Israel immediately resume its military campaign in Gaza? So let me be very clear here. This is a pause, it's not a ceasefire. Mm -hmm. Israel cannot and will not allow itself to stop pushing against Hamas to remove that threat following October 7th, because we cannot allow ourselves to have Hamas continue to rule Gaza, rearm, regroup, and strike again. And they will do so, because they did so five times since they took over Gaza in 2007, and they are saying that they will do so. So we have to continue to dismantle their military infrastructure and their leadership in Gaza, and we will not stop. So the answer is yes, the military operation the will resume. The answer is yes, the military operation uh, will resume, uh, not before we ascertain that we released as many hostages as we can. The, the ball is in Hamas's court, as Jake told you. But uh, once we reach the conclusion that they are unwilling to release more hostages, we will resume our operations in Gaza. Talk about the balancing act between that and uh, the very real frustration, anger, and pain that you are understandably hearing from the families of hostages who still have their loved ones across the border in bad conditions in Gaza. This is a very big issue for Israel. Israel is in a national trauma since October 7th, and we still have, uh, following this deal, uh, close to 200 or around 200 hostages held in Gaza. And of course, the families are in pain and they're anxious, and they expect the government to uh, continue to work for their release. I will say that all of us in Israel believe that this deal was made possible by our military action in Gaza because it applied tremendous pressure on Hamas and got them to release hostages. And we'll have to see how we take it from here. You know, there are twin goals, and you just mentioned them, that at times are competing with one another. You want to completely eliminate Hamas, particularly, you know, its military capability, but also return the hostages. Are those twin goals actually achievable at the same time? I don't think that they contradict each one. As I said, uh, we believe, we strongly believe that this deal was made possible by our military pressure. And that's uh, what we intend to do. We intend to continue to pressure Hamas uh, in order to uh, get the release of all of our hostages.
I want to ask you about civilian deaths inside Gaza. The Hamas-controlled Palestinian Ministry of Health says more than 14,000 Palestinians have been killed so far, including thousands of children. Now, I understand, A, that Hamas uses its civilians as human shields, and also you say that those numbers can't be trusted. So how many Palestinian civilians does Israel think have been killed so far? We're not sure about the exact number. I don't think anybody knows the exact number. Those figures are put out by Hamas uh, controlled the Ministry of Right, Health. so that's why I asked We are you. not sure, uh, and it's not beyond them to lie about the numbers, and nobody really knows what is a breakdown between innocent civilians and terrorists. Many of the terrorists also uh, put on civilian clothes, and nobody well, really knows. Well, let's just talk about children. So, obviously, they're not terrorists. Ob obviously, obviously, there are civilians uh, killed in that war, and that's very tragic, and we... Uh, it's a tragedy, the loss of every, every human life. It's not our intention to hit them. Uh, we cannot provide immunity to Hamas just because they hide behind civilian population or build a whole terror infrastructure, 500 kilometers of tunnels underneath civilian population, not as shelters for the population, but as shelters for their leadership, rockets and so on. That's the sad reality that we face uh, in Gaza. But it sounds what like I'm you're saying, saying is too many that, civilians. Yes, there, there were there were every civilian uh, loss is uh, is a tragedy. What I'm saying is this is the unintended consequences of a legitimate war that we are fighting in Gaza. We are doing everything possible to minimize civilian loss of life. We do not target civilians. And I think time will tell what is the exact number, how many are terrorists. I will tell you that on October 7, Hamas sent 3,000 terrorists into Israel. We are still counting the bodies of Hamas terrorists from that day. We already have over 1,100 terrorists, the bodies of terrorists in Israel. And I tell you that Hamas counts them in the number of people dead in mm. Gaza. So I urge everybody to uh, be cautious. I'm not saying there's no uh, collateral damage. There are no civilian uh, casualties. There are. But uh, again, this is uh, the unintended consequence of a legitimate war. Yeah, and we are cautious, which is why I wanted to ask if Israel had a number. Um, thank you. I know you're a very busy man. Thank you so much for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. And again, more hostages are headed home as we speak. And for some, it's bittersweet. My next guest has family now split between Israel and Gaza. We're covering the breaking news out of Israel. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let's check in on a family who, in part, was freed this weekend. 18-year-old Noga Weiss and her mother, Shiri, they were released yesterday. And we want to get right to their cousin, Adam Baker, to talk about this wonderful news. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. We're very happy to hear your good news, although I understand that it is bittersweet uh, for lots of reasons. But let's start with uh, Shiri and Noga. I know that you have not been able to speak to them. What is your understanding of how they are doing? Thank you, Dana. Uh, they're traumatized. They're not ready to speak to anyone. Their father is still missing. There's no sign of him. There's no body. There's no official claim that he's a hostage. And so that is 
worse than an open wound. Um, their uncle was murdered. He was part of the defense team of the kibbutz, kibbutz Be'eri, and their nephew went out and uh, he was murdered. They're slowly, from what I'm told, being told this from the trauma team that is with them. So I can only imagine that it's going to be close to October 7 all over again for them. Mm. And it's only the second chapter of a book that we don't know how many chapters it's going to have. It's not the end. It's not the middle. It's, it's just the beginning. Kibbutz Be'eri is one of those where the most brutal, inhumane, barbaric, I mean, choose your word of horror where that happened. And uh, the fact that Shiri and Noga were taken away, I mean, it, it is true. And until you said it the way you did, it's important to remember that they have, these hostages have, as far as we know, been in a, um, a bit of a time warp. Uh, and we don't know what they knew or didn't know at the, on October 7th. Uh, we knew that uh, young Abigail, who turned four, we understand that she witnessed her parents being murdered, but we don't know about uh, about your cousins. What else are you hearing? It's, it's from the, please go ahead. Uh, you're exactly right. They uh, they came out probably thinking that they had a whole family, hoping, like all of us, like uh, I have to, for me, believe that Elon is alive, and that for some reason. He's not being claimed on a hostage list uh, because for me, if there's no nobody, he's alive. And so that's uh, what I'm hoping. Uh, I, I, I can add that my, my cousins, we spoke to our cousins, mutual cousins this morning and physically, outwardly, uh, uh, Sherry and Noga seem fine. Uh, whether or not they were subject to brutalities, we don't know. Again, I have to believe that the hostages were treated uh, better than the people who were murdered, beheaded, raped, burned alive, left behind in Kibbutz Be'eri. Uh, so that's my mindset. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they certainly seem to be. I, I can't even imagine the ordeal that you and the rest of your family have been going through and, and are still going through because you said uh, Elan is still missing. Um, what has this ordeal been like for the loved ones of those who have, like you, who have been in captivity? Well, uh, if, I, if I may, our connection goes back for me until to 1969. The great-grandparents of Noga were the cousins of my grandmother. And we went to visit them when we spent our summers in Israel every Saturday. And they treated me like, and my brothers, like we were their grandchildren. And their children and their grandchildren are just the nicest, warmest, most open, welcoming people. When we would go to see them, they'd pile up plates of food and all their neighbors would come to see us. And they treated us like we were family, even though they were just friends. <clears throat> so... When I'm alone, I, I will tell you, and if I think about it, I cry. I try to be strong in front of my wife and, and children. My, my children are 20 and 17. But uh, when I'm alone, it's, it's, it's horrific because I told your producer, I've been in Kibbutz Be'eri. I've been in, well, Rafa in Hebrew, we call it Rafiach. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been in Zikim where there was attack. I've been in Eras Crossing. I've been with my family in terrorist attacks. And this could have happened to us, yeah. but for apparently luck. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a trauma for us. Uh, Ambassador Herzog called it a national trauma for Israelis. He, he's right, but it's a national trauma for Jews. Well, it's an international trauma for yeah. Jews. Uh, that is exactly yeah. right. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. Thank, thank Sorry, you for sharing. No, no, no. I, I mean, I'm, I'm adding to it. I, I, I completely hear you. I want to thank you for sharing your story and uh, the good news about Shiri and Noga and that they are at least physically apparently okay, but the mental and emotional wounds, that's a different story, as you mentioned. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for continuing to cover the story. Thank you.
Here with me now is White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, an Israeli official told CNN that at least one American citizen is expected to be part of today's release of hostages. Can you confirm how many Americans are on that list? And do you know who they are yet? Well, just taking a step back, Dana, uh, the 50 hostages that were part of this initial four-day deal, those were women and children. And there are three Americans who fall into that category, two women and one child. Now, we know those three were missing. We cannot say for certain whether all three of them are still alive. But we do know this. We have reason to believe that today one American will be released. And I say reason to believe because I want to be cautious about making any firm statements until we actually see that individual cross the border to safety and ultimately be reunited with their family. Yeah. We're dealing with Hamas. Uh, we are in a don't trust but verify uh, situation here. And so uh, we have reason to believe that there will be an American release today. We have been in close touch with the Israelis, with the Qataris, with the Egyptians. Over the last 24 hours, President Biden has been personally engaged with the Emir of Qatar on this issue. Mm -hmm. And so today should be a good day, a joyful day. But until we actually see it happen, uh, we are going to remain really at the edge of our seat. Yeah, and that's completely understandable. Having said that, do you have reason to believe that the American you're talking about is four-year-old Abigail Adan? Here's what I'll say. Um, we are now hopeful that Abigail will be released, reunited with her family. She turned four just two days ago. She has been through hell. She had her parents killed uh, right in front of her and has been held hostage for uh, the last several weeks. Uh, we are hopeful that she will be released. I'm not going to confirm that it's today, uh, but I am going to say that uh, we have growing optimism about Abigail, and we will now watch and see what happens. Jake, later... In the show, I'm going to talk to the parents of a 22-year-old IDF soldier who is an American citizen. Do you have any information on his condition and that of other Americans still in captivity? And is there any progress towards bringing them home? Dana, which of the uh, IDF soldiers are you referring to? His, his name is Omar Nutra. I actually had the opportunity to meet his parents at the White House, along with the family members of other American hostages. And I know, uh, just listening to them, um, that they are going through incredible pain and uncertainty and difficulty. And I can't even imagine what that could possibly feel like. I told them directly, and, and we've been candid about what we know and don't know, that we do not know the specific whereabouts or condition of Omar or other Americans, because until the end of this deal, uh, until the end of tomorrow, uh, we will not have from the Red Cross proof of life or other information related to their ability to visit hostages. So, so as we learn that information, we will absolutely share it with the parents. But no, I do not sitting here today. I'm not in a position to confirm the precise condition or whereabouts of Omar or other American hostages. Uh you said that you hope that you will get information from the Red Cross, though, after this initial deal is complete. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu said that, uh, that also said that the Red Cross would be allowed to visit hostages still being held by Hamas to ascertain their status. But Israeli officials say it hasn't happened. Did Hamas, in fact, agree to that? And do you have confidence that it will happen if so? That is part of the deal. We expect it will happen. Uh, I'm not going to characterize myself as confident in anything right now because, again, we're in a don't trust but verify circumstance. But uh, we do believe that Hamas is obliged to maintain its part of the commitment on uh, Red Cross visitation of the hostages. And we expect Qatar and Egypt and other countries uh, to hold Hamas accountable to fulfill that commitment by the end of tomorrow. Israeli officials are signaling that they plan to resume their offensive, the military offensive, as soon as this pause expires. The defense minister, Yoav Gallant, said yesterday, quote, any further negotiations will be held under fire. Is Israel rejecting calls from the U.S. to hold off on its offensive? 
in order to try to continue negotiations? Well, first, Dana, just to be clear about the terms of this deal, Israel has already agreed that it will continue to pause fighting day by day after the end of the four days as long as Hamas keeps releasing hostages. So the ball is really in Hamas's court. If Hamas wants to see an, an extension of the pause in fighting, it can continue to release hostages. If it chooses not to release hostages, then the end of the pause is its responsibility, not Israel's, because it is holding these hostages completely illegitimately and against all bounds of human de decency or the so, laws of So war. just to be clear, so if really, Hamas, we will see what Hamas ends up choosing to do. Yeah. So it, to be clear, if Hamas, after this four-day pause is over, says, "Okay, here's the next list of hostages that we will release," Israel will continue its military pause. No question. That is correct. Ten hostages per day for as many days as Hamas releases ten hostages, Israel will continue the pause in the fighting. That's part of the terms of the deal that Israel agreed to. That's a commitment Israel has made. And now, as I said before, the ball is in Hamas's court. Have any of the hostages who have been freed provided any insight or intelligence to Israel and U.S. officials that could help locate those still in Gaza? We are just at the beginning uh, of learning about the debriefings of those hostages, so I will withhold comment until uh, there can be more time for that to take place. We're just talking about the last couple of days that hostages have been released, and the early hours have really been much more about caring for their trauma, sure, for understand. their pain, and also getting them reunited with their families. So it's going to take a little while for us to get that information, for Israel to get that information. But you can be sure that Israel is focused on learning anything it can about whereabouts, locations, and other information based on conversations they have with the released hostages in the days ahead. Another major aspect of this deal is that it is allowing for significant amounts of desperately needed humanitarian aid, fuel, medicine, water, food, to enter Gaza. President Biden said there are mechanisms in place to ensure those supplies go to civilians and not Hamas. What are those mechanisms? And do you have any indication that they have been in place or has Hamas actually benefited from this pause? Well, first, Dana, there's the inspection mechanism. Uh, the Israelis at a crossing called Nitsana uh, check all of the trucks before they go in through the Rafah crossing into Gaza. Uh, and they check to make sure that it is, in fact, humanitarian supplies and not goods that could help Hamas in its military campaign. Second, those trucks go to UN depots and to other humanitarian organizations that are vetted and trusted partners. And once they are in the hands of the United Nations and, and humanitarian organizations, they are distributed directly to the people. And we have seen this work over the course of the last several weeks as humanitarian assistance has ramped up. Uh, we've seen it work that it's actually getting to people and that it's not being diverted into the hands of Hamas. But that's something that we have to continue to focus on on an ongoing basis. President Biden stays in close touch with the Israeli leadership on this, with the UN leadership and with others to make sure, in fact, the aid is getting to where it belongs, which is the innocent people who are suffering. I want to look ahead a little bit uh, and ask about Prime Minister Netanyahu, because he is as you well know, in a precarious domestic political situation. He knows that as soon as this war with Hamas is over, he's going to face questions that he's been putting off about the failure to prevent the October 7th attacks, um, questions about his tenure as prime minister. Is there any concern inside the Biden administration that Netanyahu doesn't necessarily see it as being in his interest to end this war as quickly as possible? Look, I'm not going to speculate on Israeli politics. What we're going to do is just stay focused on who is sitting in the chair of prime minister, and that is Prime Minister Netanyahu, and deal with him straight up uh, on the issues that we are confronting today. And, and President Biden has been able, through uh, his direct diplomacy with Prime Minister Netanyahu, as well as his diplomacy with Arab leaders, to generate the introduction of humanitarian assistance, mm -hmm. the safe departure of foreign nationals, including Americans from Gaza, the first pause in the fighting in 50 days since this conflict began, and hostage releases. So 
Uh, President Biden believes that his engagement with Prime Minister Netanyahu has paid dividends. He's going to continue to focus on that high-level direct leader-to-leader diplomacy and leave yeah. others to determine uh, the politics, the political considerations. We'll stay focused on the task at hand. Let me ask you it this way before I let you go. Maybe it's uh, easier than delving into domestic Israeli politics. If Hamas doesn't uh, continue to release hostages and if the military operation, Israel's military operation, resumes, would President Biden support that uh, no matter what? Because he has supported it, uh, of course, until now. Uh, But would that change if Israel resumes its military campaign? President Biden has been clear that Israel has a right, indeed a responsibility, to defend itself against an implacable terrorist foe that continues to go out and say that it intends to attack Israel, continues to launch rockets, not obviously during this pause, but in the days leading up to it, and continues to indicate that it will not stop representing a direct physical threat to the people in the state of Israel. President Biden believes any country, including Israel, has a right and responsibility to defend itself against that kind of enemy. He also believes that any military operations have to be conducted in a way that protects civilians, that distinguishes terrorists from civilians, and that ensures that those civilians have safe places to be and access to life-saving humanitarian aid. He has been focused on the kind of spade work necessary to get that humanitarian aid to hundreds of thousands Mm -hmm. of people in Gaza. He's going to stay focused on that as a primary objective in the days ahead. Jake Sullivan, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. My next guest just visited Israel, where he stepped up his criticism of former President Donald Trump. But now some Republicans say there's a better way for him to take Trump down. Chris Christie is here next. And as we watch for more hostages set to be released today, we are going to continue to get the latest on that. Stay with us. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Welcome back to State of the Union. Happy pictures of families reunited after hostages endured seven weeks of Hamas captivity. Israeli women and children are the first to be released. 41 people have been freed over the past two days, and we are awaiting the release of more Israeli hostages this morning, including at least one American. While here in the U.S., the temporary truce is welcome news, despite rising questions about what comes next. Here with me now is Republican presidential candidate and former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I want to start with, of course, what's going on in Israel. President Biden said this deal is only a start and expressed hope that it could lead to a more extended truce. It expires after tomorrow. Do you think that Israel should try to keep this pause going in order to get more hostages out? Uh, Dana, look, I've been very clear on this. I think Israel has to make that evaluation based upon the success um, of what they've already done uh, regarding degrading Hamas's military capability. Uh, I, I traveled throughout Israel, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I saw the destruction that Hamas did to Israel and killing so many of its innocent citizens. And so I think that their main priority has to be degrading Hamas's capability to militarily strike against Israel and its people again. You can't ask the Israeli people who survived the attack to return to their homes uh, near the Gaza border if you have not degraded Hamas's military. So I think that needs to be priority number one in terms of making these judgments. And uh, I have no problem with continuing to negotiate for hostage release. Obviously, we'd love to see all the hostages released, but we also don't want to see another tragedy like we had on October 7th in Israel. You also, when you were in Israel, met with families of, uh, of hostages. 
Do you believe that degrading or trying to dismantle Hamas is a higher priority than bringing home the hostages? You look, it's a very, very difficult call, Dana. And I think that, you know, for those hostage families, obviously, the highest priority for them is to get their family members home. I just think Israel can wind up, you know, being able to make that evaluation itself. It's the one that's in the best position to make that evaluation. But I would say this, the long-term peace and stability of Israel depends upon the degrading of Hamas's military capability. And it has to be the highest priority because um, Hamas uh, is trying to wipe Israel off the map. And they're doing so with Iranian North Korean and Russian assistance. And so the U.S. has to be supportive of what Israel is trying to do militarily, but always provide the kind of advice that friends provide in terms of when is enough enough. Um, and we'll certainly help to make the, that evaluation with them. Um, but ultimately, that's Israel's decision. Do you believe President Biden deserves credit for pushing through the deal that has at least brought some of the hostages back to their families? Look, I think that any time there's return of hostages, that's incredibly helpful. And President Biden and his administration has played a role in it. So they deserve credit. But also, um, you know, the terms of this release are really lopsided towards Hamas. As you know, three to one in terms of hostage release um, and this pause that's going on as well. Um, so, look, I, I think everyone can always second guess the negotiation from the outside. You're not in the middle of it. What I'm grateful for is that these hostages have been returned uh, to their families. That's extraordinarily important um, and, and, and humane to have that done. So I think President Biden deserves credit for that. Where I think he's starting to err into an area where I think is, is wrong is to say he hopes that this continues, that the truce continues. He can't be doing that kind of stuff, in my view, publicly. His voice has to be just purely supportive of what Israel is doing to try to protect its territorial integrity and the safety and security of its 9 million citizens. That's got to be priority number one for the United States. And everyone in the Middle East has to know that that's America's number one priority. Governor, I want to ask about the spike in hate against Jews in the United States. You told The New York Times that you believe former President Donald Trump's, quote, intolerance for everybody has contributed to the surge in anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. How so? Well, look, when you show intolerance towards uh, everyone, which is what he does, um, you give permission as a leader uh, for others to have their intolerance come out. And so, uh, you know, intolerance towards anyone encourages intolerance towards everyone. And that's exactly what's going on here. Uh, and that's been going on for quite some time, not just with Donald Trump, but with university professors uh, on some of our, our, our most elite campuses in this country, with university administrators and presidents who have been unwilling to stand up against anti-Semitism uh, on their campuses, most particularly. And there should be no campus in this country where a Jewish student is afraid to leave their dorm, a Jewish student is afraid to go to their classes, a Jewish student is afraid to go to even have a meal in the dining hall. I mean, that is outrageous and it's wrong. I think governors in those individual states should be sending state police to make sure that they're protected on those campuses. Um, and we need to have university presidents who are willing to stand up and be counted against hate. And that's exactly what's going on here. We saw this display also at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, these are folks who are ignorant. And when they talk about intifada, my guess is two-thirds of them don't even know what intifada is. And if they did, they'd be ashamed of themselves for calling for the uh, elimination of the Jewish people around the world, which is what intifada is. And so... You know, in the end, um, look, I think that there have been a lot of people who contributed to it. And I believe Donald Trump's intolerant language and his intolerant conduct gives others permission to act the same. Let me ask you a little politics. The uh, race that you were in, uh, you want to be president, but your twin miss missions are that and to stop Donald Trump. Uh, in the most recent CNN New Hampshire poll, Donald Trump is winning by 42% of likely GOP voters. You are third behind Nikki Haley. Neither you nor Nikki Haley come close uh, to challenging Trump on your own. But together, you have support of 34% of New Hampshire voters. Is there any scenario where you and Nikki Haley would somehow work together to try to consolidate that anti-Trump vote? 
I think Governor Haley and I both have the same goal, and that is to be president of the United States. And I think we're showing great momentum in New Hampshire. Um, we've been gaining over the last couple of weeks. I think we're going to continue to gain um, in that in that fight. Uh, and I think we're going to do very, very well in New Hampshire on January 23rd. And, you know, this idea of people just doing math and adding up numbers, that's not the way voters vote. Uh, and so, you know, I would say to everybody out there, let's let the campaign move forward. This is the smallest Republican field at this stage in this century that did not include an incumbent, the smallest. It was 13 eight years ago at this stage. I was in that race. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, in, in 2011, uh, there were eight people in the race at this stage. And in 2007, there were nine. Uh, this, this race is consolidated very nicely. You really now, in my view, have four major contenders for the nomination. Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, me, hey. and Nikki Haley. Uh, and the fact is that we're the major contenders for the nomination and everyone, you know, everyone else who's still hanging around the fringe of the race, um, you know, is not a serious contender. And just to button it up, you are in this race through the New Hampshire primary. I, I expect to be in this race through to the convention, Dana. Um, and so, yes, absolutely. OK. All right. Governor, thank you so much. Appreciate you being on this Thanksgiving weekend. Dana, thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all your viewers. One of the key questions is how much longer will a truce between Hamas and Israel last? Democratic Senator Chris Murphy is next. And again, we are waiting for the next group of Israeli hostages to be freed. Welcome back to State of the Union. We are awaiting a Hamas hostage transfer and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told me earlier in this program that the U.S. has reason to believe it will include an American and it's hopeful it will be four-year-old Abigail Erdan. Here with me now to discuss this and more is Democratic Senator Chris Murphy, a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Thank you so much for being here. Senator, 41 hostages have been released so far as part of this deal negotiated between Israel and Hamas. President Biden says it is only the start. This truce expires in two days. Jake Sullivan told me that the ball is in Hamas's court, whether it will be extended. What happens if Hamas doesn't agree to release more hostages? Do you think that Israel should resume its military operations in Gaza? I believe that Israel has a moral obligation to defeat Hamas, at the very least to render it incapable of launching an attack like the one we saw on October 7th. So, yes, that job is not done. Um, But let's give credit where credit is due. Um, President Biden and his team um, worked 24-7 with partners in the region, Uh, to make sure that this release um, was possible and to set a framework through which we can see more hostages released. This is a president who um, is right now showing the American people what real leadership looks like. Um, Hopefully uh, Hamas will uh, accept uh, the um, conditions that have been laid down that will allow for more hostages to be released. But if they don't, uh, ultimately Hamas is going to be defeated. That's in Israel's interest, but it's also in the interest of the United States. We do not want terrorist organizations believing they can get away with the kind of murder that Hamas did on October 7th. Yeah. So fighting against terrorism and, as you said, uh, moral obligation, you believe it is a moral obligation for Israel to continue uh, this war. You also, though, have been critical of the way that Israel is conducting the war. You called the civilian death toll unacceptable and unsustainable. Your colleague, Senator Bernie Sanders, wants the Biden administration to put conditions on U.S. aid to Israel to pressure Israel to reduce civilian casualties in Gaza. He wrote, quote, the blank check approach must end. The United States must make clear that while we are friends of Israel, there are conditions to that friendship and we cannot be complicit in actions that violate international law and our own sense of decency. Do you agree? Well, I stand by what I said. Um, I do believe that the level of civilian harm inside Gaza has been 
um, unacceptable and is unsustainable. I, I think there's both a moral cost to this many civilians, innocent civilians, children often losing their life, but I think there's a strategic cost. Ultimately, Hamas will get stronger, not weaker, in the long run if all of this civilian death um, allows them to uh, recruit more effectively and ably uh, inside Gaza. Um, listen, I, we um, regularly condition our aid to allies um, based upon compliance with U.S. law and international law. And so I think it's very consistent with the ways in which we have dispensed aid, especially during wartime, uh, to allies um, for us to talk about making sure that the aid we give Ukraine or the aid we give yeah. Israel is used in accordance with human rights laws. And that'll be a conversation we will all be engaged in when we get back to Washington on Monday. Well, President Biden said that he thinks it's an OK idea, uh, but he also worries it could hinder diplomatic efforts to condition the aid because you are going to have to deal with this. This is something that is going to be on your plate uh, to vote on quite soon. Yeah, obviously, this will be a conversation we have uh, when we return, I, I guess I'm not sure what would be controversial about simply saying mm -hmm. that aid we give any country has to be used in compliance with international law. And, you know, yes, of course, I do think that Israel um, needs to be more careful in the way that it is conducting these operations. I think that you can defeat Hamas without this level of civilian casualty. And so um, that's an appropriate discussion for uh, us to have, in part because I really don't know that it serves Israel's uh, strategic aims mm -hmm. in the long run uh, if Hamas ultimately is given this kind of bulletin board recruiting uh, material. You, uh, before October 7th, were pretty critical of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, government, the way he was conducting it uh, with regard to the democracy inside uh, Israel. Um, he knows that once this war ends, he's going to have to face questions over his failure to prevent October 7th, among other things. Are you concerned that his precarious domestic political situation is an obstacle to the war ending as quickly as the U.S. wants it to? Well, my sense is that though the Israeli people may not be planning to have Netanyahu as their prime minister for the long run, they are still united in their belief that there has to be uh, accountability. And my hope is that when they do go to the polls, that they choose uh, leadership that is going to make good on the only future that guarantees the survival of a Jewish state in the Middle East, and that is a Palestinian state. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu believed that you could ignore uh, the Palestinians, that you could try to squash their desires for a state, and ultimately that would bring peace to the region and to Israel. That's just not the case. Ultimately, um, the next government is going to have to put us back on a path to have uh, a Palestinian state. That's not easy, but it is the only yeah. way forward for Israel. It is the only way forward for long-term peace. Senator, we have seen an alarming spike in anti-Semitism, hate against Jews, across the United States, but particularly on college campuses. You also sit on the Senate committee that deals with education. What's gone so wrong on America's college campuses that you have students openly applauding the terrorist killings of 1,200 or more civilians? Yeah, I, I've... Um Listen, I'm all for free speech on our campuses, but I've been very disappointed at the response of many of our university officials. Um, there's a direct line between some of the most vicious anti-Semitism uh, speech happening on our campus and threats of violence to uh, synagogues and to Jewish communities. Um, I ultimately you know, think we need to sort of think really hard about the way in which our young people are receiving information about this conflict. We need to hold accountable the social media sites, in particular TikTok, which is just full of virulent pro-Hamas and anti-Semitic material. Um, the college campuses need to have um, a better means of accountability for this kind of hate speech. But we also have to recognize that these young people are getting their information from somewhere, um, often from a Chinese-controlled social media platform that has in its interest um, uh, trying to turn America against each other. And one of the means they may be doing that is trying to promote a lot of uh, pretty um, hateful um, and divisive material about the conflict in Gaza. Senator Chris Murphy, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Thank you. 
And the parents of an Israeli hostage on what it's been like, what it is like right now, seeing women and children come back safely and still, of course, hoping that their son does too. Stay with us. We have seen beautiful images of hostages reuniting in Israel with their families, but many more hostages are still in Gaza and their families are begging people not to forget them. Like Omer Nutra, a 22-year-old dual U.S.-Israeli citizen and soldier who was taken hostage by Hamas October 7th. Here with me now are his parents, Orna and Ronan. Thank you so much to both of you for being here. Uh, Your son was not included in this initial release of hostages. I can't even imagine how difficult and and complicated it is for you to watch hostages who have been released while you are waiting for news of your son. Right. Yeah, um, first two releases gave us hope. And, um, you know, we're cautiously excited about the expected release today of more children and women, but uh, Um, Omer's not being released yet, and uh, we have to continue and press for for the men, not just the women and the children, uh, for Omer, for all the American citizens and all the hostages. It's not going to end before they're all out. The process is very important. Yeah. And we're thrilled that it's coming to fruition slowly. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told me that uh, the U.S. does not know the condition or the whereabouts of your son or other American hostages. What goes through your mind when you hear that? Well, obviously we are worried. We're actually in Israel this week. We wanted to meet officials and get reassurances that uh, Israel is doing its best in uh, the effort to return our son. Uh, We've been in discussions with the uh, American administration and seeing all the efforts they're doing, it's a a long process. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you know, um, the fact that they haven't been seen, that we don't know what the condition is, that the American Red Cross has not been permitted to go in, that's just wrong. And that's against any kind of international law. And... Obviously, it's, it just makes it all even worse. It really is a humanitarian crisis. And uh, wounded people, sick people, they need to seek care. And the right thing is just to get the Red Cross in and, and take care of, of uh, whoever needs care. You mentioned that you're in Israel and you have met with Israeli government officials. Have you talked to them about the truce? Do you want them to maintain the truce as much as possible, continue the negotiations to bring the remaining hostages home, including your son? We've received reassurances that they'll do anything that's needed to bring Omer home. And the other hostages. And the other hostages. We we saw commitment, uh, whoever we talked to, that that's a a key element in what's going on right now, and they'll do everything they can to bring all the hostages back. And we truly believe that's the case. Tell us what Omer is like. What do you want people to know about him? So, you know, um, one more thing that we've been doing here in Israel is meeting with a lot of Omer's friends. They've been sharing with us. Some of them actually saw him only a few days, you know, before uh, all of this happened. Um, He had a few days off and, His task was to look for an apartment to move into, but what he ended up doing was just going to visit friends, going to visit family, and that's so typical of Omer. Um, He's such a people person, and um, it obviously was more important to him to see see people than to take care of his uh, living arrangement. Um, One of his friends told us, how um, he, he told her, oh, I have to go and see an apartment. And she convinced him to go and see the sunset on the beach instead. Mm. <laughs> and they ended up uh, talking about life. And, you know, eerily enough, um, she told he told him about us. And, and she said that he even uh, mentioned to her 
how, you know, he knows that if anything happened to him, his parents would do anything for him. Mm. And, and obviously hearing that was like, you know, um, yeah. a big responsibility on us. And, uh, and of course, we would do everything. Yeah. We'll do everything to get him back. And you are, and you are. Uh, I, I thank you so much for sharing uh, your story and for sharing his story. And uh, <clears throat> we were looking at pictures of his beautiful smile. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. If you want to help with humanitarian relief efforts for the civilians in Israel and Gaza, CNN is compiling verified resources. Head to CNN.com impact. You'll find a list of vetted organizations on the ground responding. That's CNN.com slash impact. An update, you're looking at pictures uh, in the, at the border, rather, between Gaza and Egypt. Foreign nationals who were held by Hamas terrorists inside Gaza are now crossing into Egypt. We are back with our breaking news coverage of today's hostage release Let's break down what we've seen so far today with my panel. Thank you all for being here. Colonel Layton, um, I'm going to start with you because one of the outstanding questions in my, all my interviews this morning and just now earlier in this show, in this hour, was uh, what happens when this current truce is over. Yeah, Dana, that's that's really the big question. But uh, you know, the way the Israeli forces are positioned right now, uh, it's pretty clear that they're going to continue their mopping up operations in Gaza City. Uh, they are in there now, but control is not total. No matter what anybody says, uh, this is a very fluid situation. And even though Israeli forces are the preponderance of military power in the north, uh, they are not the only power in the north. And that's, I think, where the next step is. Israel has also indicated that they would move into the central parts and even the southern parts of Gaza. So I think uh, we're going to see, if this truce does not hold, uh, we're going to see some fighting in these areas. It's going to get really complicated because absolutely they're going to be moving south. They've said that. And, you know, this is the question of what is going to happen to these Palestinians that have already moved south, can't move back north, not being allowed to. And also there's really no place for them to go. And so I think that the real conundrum is going to be what will the Biden administration do at that point when things get really messy? And we saw, I think, in Biden's talk today to the press, he switched the order of what was the priority. And he talked about aid to the Palestinians as the number one thing, the hostages the number two thing. Really shows that protecting these civilians is on his mind. Yeah, I think uh, Biden has also faced internal criticism, State Department and in his own staff at the White House, people asking, you know, the pictures of the Palestinians dying, um, when do they get the food, the water, the medicine that they need? And um, there's been a lot of emphasis, as it should be, on the hostages being freed, but not so much on uh, getting some relief to these people who, now the IDF has said, once they restart um, attacks, they're going to be telling the Palestinian people to shift from one location to the next and shifting millions of people from uh, 1.7 million people from one location to the next. That's not efficient. People yeah. are going to get caught again. Yeah, I, I, I want to. We've been talking about what's going on in Gaza, which is which is understandable mm -hmm. because of the show we have also understandably been talking about the hostages released. But I want to take advantage of the fact that you are here and you are an intel person about the fact that Jake Sullivan, the president's national security advisor, told me they have no idea where the other hostages are, the men who right. are, and some of whom are American citizens as well. Right, and also women uh, and children. So of the 50, there's still at least or more than 90 women and minors as among this mm -hmm. 240. And so we have more after the 50 are released, and then the men. We have no idea. Now, we certainly um, are hearing that the Israelis are interviewing and debriefing as gently, and they have to go slowly here, right? And they'll find out some things. But Hamas also has been working very, very hard to make sure that they don't have any good intel. Yeah. 
Plus, the fact is, is that not all these people are being held. And you heard Biden say, look, some of these are held by other groups. And, you know, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, as Kim pointed out earlier today, is demanding the release of all Palestinians. So. And that's really one of the big, big issues right there. Which group do you deal with? And, uh, you know, Hamas is the, the umbrella, in essence, organization, although it's not officially that kind of an organization. It is, uh, you know, really symptomatic of the divided political nature of Gaza itself. And that's really going to complicate the intel picture as well as the military operational picture. Ten seconds. What we're likely to see in the next few days is it, another four to five days of releasing of women and children. But after that, it's going to get harder. It's likely that Hamas is going to ask for more to release the men, all of which it considers um, current or former IDF soldiers. Some of them were capture, uh, captured in their uniforms, so it's pretty, pretty clear. Thank you all for breaking that down. Appreciate it. And thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. The news continues next. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.